You're listening to the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This episode is brought to you by the Vacation Rental Formula's own Virtual Vendor Showcase. The Virtual Vendor Showcase is a virtual online exhibitor hall, giving you the opportunity to browse products and services that may be of value to you and your business, all with video testimonials from people who have used a product or service and talk about how their business has been transformed because of it. Head across to vacationrentalformula.com forward slash VVS to find out more. Now, let's get started. Here's your host, Heather Bayer. Well, here we are heading into another busy season, probably the busiest season we have ever had in our history. We are 100% booked. We have 700 names, families on a waiting list waiting for new properties to come on board. And yeah, it's going to be busy. So we are getting prepared. And that's what this episode is about. It's about how we prepare to meet the onslaught of thousands of guests this summer. This is the Vacation Rental Success Podcast, keeping you up to date with news, views, information and resources on this rapidly changing short-term rental business. I'm your host, Heather Bayer, and with 25 years of experience in this industry, I'm making sure you know what's hot, what's not, what's new and what will help make your business a success. Welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This is your host, Heather Bayer, and as ever, I am super delighted to be back with you. What a strange year this has been. Have I been saying that every single week? But stranger than most, even stranger than last year. Last year, at least, we had some bookings. Things were, were going ahead. We had a winter of bookings before we shut down in March. And then we were opened up again on June the 5th. And here we are, and this is being published in the first week of June 2021. We have been shut down since December, bar a couple of weeks in February. Just a couple of weeks when the government said, okay, we'll sort of creep out and see if it's all okay out there. Well, apparently after two weeks, it wasn't. So they shut us down again. So we've gone through a flip-flopping of restrictions and regulations and we've had color coding and we've had hotspots and this whole new vocabulary of COVID that has defined our lives for the past 15 months and more. Still going on. I have huge, huge hopes that by the time you listen to this podcast, we will be about five days before we're able to open up for guests again. I mean, we've just spent so much time cancelling people and relocating them. And then the other big issue that has happened to us this year, and I know it's been very, very similar for many of our network of cottage rental managers in Ontario, people have been motivated, let's say motivated to sell their properties by the lure of massively high selling rates recently had a call from an owner who's just simply said, we've decided to sell the cottage. We will need to relocate some of the guests. We cannot not sell it. I do understand. I completely understand. This particular person had bought their property for around $400,000 in 2019 
this property was going to be listed at 700,000 in June of 2021. And I think they're expecting somewhere in the region of 850 to $900,000 when it actually sells. And, and then, of course, we've had to deal with the really unhappy guests who want to take it out on us who, because we have ruined their vacation. And we hear from them, why, why did you not tell them that they were contracted to honour the bookings? And of course, they were contracted to honour the bookings. But when that money truck backs up the driveway and somebody says, I'm going to give you 75% more, or in some cases, in this particular case, I'm going to give you 100% more than you paid for the property two years ago, what are you going to do? They're going to pay any penalty because the penalties that we, we would charge, which is the commission, plus the cost of relocating guests, is chicken feed to them. Of course, the guests, we, we are the ones that have to call the guests, that have to hear the emotional response. And of course, that, that emotional response from the guests has such an impact. It has such an impact on our staff and when they are having to relocate 10 guests and they've got to do it in that one day because that listing is going to go live and somebody is going to see it, they are getting that impact of guest emotion times 10. And granted, some of them say, you know, what, what happens, happens. And we do have a few of those. And I, I love these people. And they say, you know, okay, it happens. Let's deal with it the best we can. Can you find us something else? They will get out on Facebook groups and start looking for their, their own alternative. And that, that's great, but they are few and far between. The majority are just devastated that they've lost their vacation. So we've just had to deal with that. That's just something else that has caused issues throughout this last couple of months. But hey, that's not what I'm talking about today. I'm talking about preparing for this upcoming season, which is going to be massive. It's going to be the busiest we've ever had. And one of the issues is that we've always had some properties that may come on board late. So we have some vacancies through the summer. We don't always have 100% occupancy in the summer. You know, sometimes it's, it's usually around about 95%. So usually at any time in the summer, if something happens in a property, let's say a pipe bursts or it gets burnt down or, or the septic backs up, we usually have somewhere else we can locate these guests to. This year, we have nothing. So with the 100% occupancy, we're going to be in that situation. When an issue happens, we have nowhere to put them. We're going to have to send them home. And we have to be prepared for this. And when I say be prepared for this, I mean be prepared to deal with that emotional reaction that's going to happen. And it, it will happen a number of times over the summer. While we would love the whole summer to go past without any issues whatsoever, we know what's coming and, uh, and we just want to really prepare for it. The other thing is, is that we have seen in forums and on Facebook groups that guests this year are much more high maintenance, possibly because many of them are first time guests. They can't travel overseas. I and mean, certainly in Canada, we are having an influx of first-time guests because our borders are still closed. So people can't go down south. They can't go to Europe. They can't go on their cruises. So they are choosing vacation rental to them as second best. 
So they're arriving with what uh, my office manager calls uh, a pre-soured attitude. They have already decided that they're not going to like it because it's not what they had planned for their vacation. And they've chosen it because it is second best. So I think for some, they're going to be determined not to enjoy it. And they're going to be looking at how to recover some of the cost. Because that's the other thing, of course, that rental rates have rocketed, skyrocketed in the same way that house sale prices have. So a rental that might have been, we might have comfortably put around 1800 Canadian dollars back in 2019. These properties are approaching 3000 now, 3000 a week. We are not gouging. We are simply reacting to market demands. <laughs> I, I do object to the I mean, if I, if I was putting an eighteen hundred dollar a week two thousand nineteen property on at five thousand a week, yes, that would be gouging. But just reacting to the market situation, looking at the supply and demand, we have massive demand. We have limited supply. Then obviously, rise in rental rates is going to be a natural occurrence. It does, however, price some people out of buying a rental, of taking a vacation in a rental this year. And I've seen that on some of our local Facebook groups too. One argument that we're discriminating against people who can't afford to pay for it. Not a subject I'm going to go into at the moment, but it, it's just it's just worthwhile putting it out there. And I saw this in a, in a Destin Facebook group just recently, exactly the same thing. And people saying that it's, it's discriminatory against the people who can't afford the, the new rates for vacations and that they are no longer able to go on vacation because they can no longer afford it. And I guess... We need to look at what's going to happen in the future and nobody knows who's, who's got that crystal ball that says, is this all sustainable? Uh, I certainly don't have it. It's what I'm telling my owners now when they're saying, wow, I'm getting $3,000 a week for my property that was $2,000 a week two years ago. And I'm saying, well, don't expect that to be sustained. Time will come when people are traveling elsewhere. And I've talked about this, talked about this the other week when I talked about revenge travel. People will be traveling further and we might lose some of that demand over time. But anyhow, in our preparation, certainly we are looking at a number of things that we know. I mean, we've been in business 20 years. We know what to expect. This year, we're just exacerbating those expectations because people are in general more demanding and we've just got to be ready for it. So I saw this morning in the Say No for VRBO Facebook group. So thank you, Annie Switzer and April Salter for creating this uh, Say No to VRBO group, because it, it does provide me with a huge amount of material to talk about on, uh, on, on the podcast. And I've, I've mentioned this over a number, of, a number of years. But I saw a post this morning from Katie Reardon, and she said, every couple of months, I get a renter who sends me a laundry list of ridiculous complaints upon arrival. They always refuse the house to be recleaned. And then they say how wonderful the house is once I mention they can have a full refund if they would like to leave. I just don't get these people. Hearing this a lot, and I, I thought I considered I would, I would call this, <laughs> this uh, episode the laundry list. Because, you know, we've, we've always had this over the years. 
And just from a couple of other comments, Bill Fry said, I think they've discovered if they stay the week and then complain, many owners will give them some type of refund to eliminate a bad review. Bill says, I've decided not to enable them and just eat the reviews, which I think is a very sensible thing to do. And we have had this. We've had calls from guests four or five days, maybe six days in, giving us the laundry list of complaints. And we've usually countered with, why didn't you let us know beforehand so that we could resolve things? You know, we've, we've spent a whole week with a dripping tap. Nobody could sleep at night. And we feel that we, we need a refund. I mean, that, that is just one example that we have had. And another comment on that, uh, that say no group is that I've heard there are Facebook pages and blogs that teach people how to get refunds and credits, et cetera. And I know that Reddit, if, if you go onto Reddit and you look for Airbnb refunds, you will find that plenty of people are out there telling you how to get a refund. And mostly it is to do with leaving it until you're about to leave and then send your laundry list of complaints in. So we know this. We have had plenty of experience with this over the years. So we make sure we are fully and totally prepared for it. And things things do slip past. Get a, a, a complaint from a guest and we think, ah, yes, we should have dealt with that way back in the beginning and put something in place to sort of counteract it. But anyway, I want to talk about a number of things that we, we do. We make absolutely sure that we have in place and that we've pre-informed the guests about so that we can always go back to an email trail. We can go back to a text trail. We can say, we told you about this and here it is. Here is the evidence. Because that's all you can do is, is to provide evidence of prior information that you've given to guests. So for example, we had, and this was a couple of years ago, a guest got through to the end of their stay and then demanded a refund because there was only, I think only one kayak instead of, uh, there was only two kayaks instead of three kayaks. And so they wanted a refund because they had not been able to enjoy their time out on the water as a family. So we were able to go back and find the information that we had sent to them prior to their stay, it was an email. And in that email, it said, we need to inform you that one of the kayaks has been removed due to damage and repair. So we very much regret there are only two kayaks. There is a canoe. So there was actually plenty of space for, for the family of four to go in to the water all at the same time. But we had sent that message and we had record of it so we were able, it didn't stop them leaving a bad review, but you know we, we were satisfied that we had dealt with it. Go, just going back a second to that, you know, the whole idea of first-time guests, people who have never stayed in a vacation rental before. Think about it. They stayed at hotels, resorts. They've experienced concierge service. You know, if a light bulb fails, somebody comes and changes it for them. There's an infinite supply of paper goods. You just call down to the front desk if you run out of toilet paper. And pretty much immediate response to requests for anything. So you need to really take into account the expectations that these people have that have never done this before. So here's a couple, you know, if you stay in a hotel, if you stay in a resort, 
you don't have to separate your own garbage. But in the majority of cases, in the majority of property rentals, short-term rentals, you are expected to do something with your garbage. You don't just leave it sitting in the property. It's got to go somewhere. And in many cases, it has to be separated. For us here in Ontario, we don't have garbage collection. You know, some of our properties are, are very remote. There is no garbage collection and all garbage has to be removed from the property. It can't be left outside because the bears will come and, oh, cute, I've got a bear on my deck. Well, actually, it's not so cute. If you've got a whole family of bears eating the garbage and once they've eaten that, they come back for more. So they expect it. So you walk out of the door and there's, there's a group of hungry bears sitting there looking at you, all expectant. So we have to be very, very stringent and restrictive on our garbage instructions. And usually within 10 or 15 kilometers of the property, there is a waste disposal site. And we recommend that all our guests take their garbage midweek to the waste disposal site. Some owners will not collect the garbage at the end of the stay. And this is, this is something that is peculiar to rentals in our area. And the majority of them do ask guests to dispose of their own garbage, either take it home with them or take it to the dump. But we do have, even at, even at our dumps, at our waste disposal sites, we have stringent recycling. And these places will not accept garbage that has not been recycled correctly. So we have to be very instructive with our guests as to how things are recycled, whether they go into special bags, what days that perhaps that the dump is open, that they can take this. It's, it's a big issue for us, but we have to get that education right or else we are going to get the complaints midweek that says, I've got all this stinky garbage. I'm not allowed to put it outside because the bear, you tell me the bears will get to it. What am I meant to do with it? So fortunately, we can refer them to their touch day guide. You know, I am a huge advocate of touch day and we have all that. Every property has its own specific section on garbage rules for that location. And of course, with, with 150 properties we have now, we've just taken on 20 new ones, which is pretty excellent. But with our 150 properties, every one of them has different instructions to a, in directions to a different garbage site. So you can, you can tell from this that it is, it is quite the task to get everything correct. But we have to set those expectations on garbage management. Do you know, even if you just ask your guests to put the garbage out in a communal bin or put it out for collection, you've got to be specific. Don't leave anything to chance. Um, my business partner often says, never leave an uninformed decision to a guest. And what that means is don't ask them to guess what they should do about anything. You know, you've, you've got to go through every experience that your guest might have and put something in place to deal with it. So the second expectation is to let them know what is provided and also what is not provided because people make assumptions. Uh, here in Ontario, very few of our properties have air conditioning, but now we're having all our new guests coming up from the city and there is, they're, they're booking cottages 
making the assumption that it will be air conditioned because every property in the city is air conditioned. Their condo is air conditioned. They've been to Airbnbs in Florida and they're all air conditioned. So they may have that expectation and that assumption that they will have the same feature when they come to a property. And we, we've said in the past, you know, we, we just don't, if, if, if there's AC, we'll include that on a listing. But we're now getting to the point where we have to say there is no AC at this property. Just as we say there is no Wi-Fi at this property at certain places or there is no television, there is no dishwasher. All these things used to be just not listed if they didn't have them. But now we have to tell them if they're not available. It's very, it's very interesting the way things have changed over the past 15 years or so. So what is provided, you know, for, for us, it is very dependent on, on location. And certainly during COVID, many places have not been providing linens. They'll provide pillows, blankets, but they won't provide sheets and towels. One of the issues here is that once again, many properties are remote. So laundry has to go out to a laundromat or back to the cleaner's home. Cleaners have not been happy at doing this. During COVID, they did not want to touch the linens, which was understandable. However, now that we are moving into a what I'd like to see as a post-COVID phase, although we are still very respectful of people's wishes, I really want to go back to this time when we are providing everything. We're providing linens and guests will arrive to a, a made-up bed and not have to make up their own. But we're, we're finding pushback from cleaners. We're finding pushback from owners because they've just gone, they, last season, they went through a much easier changeover time because there were no beds to make. So we are having to re-educate owners, cleaners in the fact that, you know, what guests that are expecting more services, I guess. And they will have at some point to have to go back to what was originally expected. But we do have to tell guests, make it very clear to guests what is provided. Last year, we had a, had a situation where we had put in the listing and we had put in the guest book, in the touch day guide, that linens were not provided at the property. And they would have to bring their own sheets and, and towels and pillowcases. And this group turned up with, with absolutely nothing to a five-bedroom property. So called us at seven o'clock in the evening to say, we've just arrived and there's no linens. And we referred back to what we'd sent to them. And the lead guest said, well, I suppose all we can do is just sleep on the, on the top of the mattress and cover up with a blanket and try and send somebody back to the city the following day to get some linens. We were able to contact a local resort and they had a supply of linens. They had you know, a lot of extra linens. We were able to send somebody out. Well, the guest, in fact, went out to this resort and picked up the linens and they were able to sleep between sheets, which we were, the owner and ourselves, were very pleased about. What we've since said to owners is even if you do not want to supply linens, then you need to have some available. You need to have some available in a locked closet or a tote or something that a guest can access in the case of arriving with nothing. Because otherwise they are going to sleep on bare beds and that is not what you want. So we've been able to counteract that a bit. One thing that comes up year after year, and we probably get six or seven of these, 
every year. And it was something, again, that was mentioned on a Say No to VRBO post this morning. And Margaret DeFuria posted, I had a guest check in today who messaged me that the fridge was not cooling and her $400 worth of groceries would go bad. When I said I would call my appliance repair guy, she responded saying, it's still not cool, but she doesn't want a repairman interrupting her vacation. (laughs) I'm not sure where this one will go. I find it difficult to believe she has $400 worth of food, but doesn't want the fridge fixed. And my housekeeper says the fridge was working fine when she was there today. It's very, very common. This, This one, I think, tops, just about tops the list of complaints we get in a hot summer. Now, this one sounds a little bit dodgy if she didn't want somebody to go in and repair the fridge. It sounds like this, this almost sounds like a Reddit thread that somebody has said, oh, you can get money back for your food if you complain that the fridge isn't cooling properly. I would be inclined to go back and say, if you won't have anybody come in to repair the fridge, well, I'm sorry, we can do nothing and we will not be refunding for your food. That is what it is. You know, we're doing our utmost to bring somebody in to help you out to repair this and you're rejecting this offer. There is nothing further we can do. But it it reminded me when I read this that this is a situation that does happen over and over again. And we we get this call from guests. And I remember I remember the first couple way, way back when we did we we had this complaint. We've arrived. We've been here four or five hours. We put everything in the fridge and nothing is is cooling. It's not cooling down. So we got an appliance repair guy out and both times it cost the owner a significant amount to be told that number one, the fridge was overloaded with warm food. And secondly, that the guests had turned the thermostat down. Now we know exactly what's happening. What happens when that thermostat is turned down? The food does not get cooled. In fact, that warm food causes a buildup of ice and the fridge just stops working altogether. The only remedy, the only remedy is to completely defrost the unit, switch it off, leave the door open for about four to six hours and then switch it back on again. And in actually in 100% of the cases, and as I say, we do five or six of these every single year. In 100% of the cases, turning the fridge off, you know, just like computer, turn it off and on again. <laughs> and it usually fixes the problem. The only thing is, is that they've got to take everything out of that freezer and let the freezer, uh, let the fridge defrost thoroughly. Because what happened, the coils at the back just get completely iced up. A little bit like, I guess, you know, I'm I'm no technician, but a bit like uh, an air conditioner when it is turned, when the temperature is turned way, way down and it struggles to meet the demands of, of that, that temperature. So because of this, we include a piece in our touch day guide in troubleshooting. And we do advise Anybody at a property who has a problem with anything, whether it's a television, some entertainment, getting the Wi-Fi to work, uh, appliances, etc., to go to the section on troubleshooting. And they will find their picture of a refrigerator and the title, My Refrigerator is Not Cooling, Refrigerator Cooling Facts. And we say, 
A large quantity of warm groceries placed in an empty refrigerator takes approximately 12 hours to adequately cool. Keeping the doors closed as much as possible during the first few hours is helpful. Cool perishable items first. Place canned drinks, watermelon, etc. in a cooler with ice and move to the refrigerator after a few hours. Now, one thing you could do is supply a couple of, supply your guests with a cooler and have a large bag of ice in the freezer when they arrive. So when they arrive, they can open the freezer and there is one or two large bags of ice. So we suggest that they put that large bag of ice in the cool boxes and put their perishable items in there to start with. That will actually cool down those foods. So when they get transferred to the fridge, they are already you know, at, at a cooled state. Then we say keep the refrigerator control setting on medium at all times for optimal, optimum cooling. If controls are set to maximum, a defrost cycle can occur, causing the coil to freeze and the refrigerator will not cool. It may take 18 to 24 hours to compensate for the defrost cycle, so leave the setting on medium. And then on our, we encourage our owners to put a notice on their thermostat saying, please do not touch, do not turn this thermostat down. That, since we adopted that in the touch day guide, it has reduced, well, certainly last year, we didn't have a single one. We did not have a single refrigerator issue. But it is tough when we've got a guest on the phone saying, you know, there's 10 of us just arrived. We put everything in the fridge and we turned it right down to make sure it would cool quickly and now everything's warm. And we have to tell them that, I'm sorry, you did this. (laughs) You did this. Take everything out, turn it off, defrost it, And when you turn it back on again, just put things in a few at a time. Do not overload it. But it's definitely worthwhile pre-warning your guests of this because very few people, unless they've been to a a short-term rental before, understand this. They don't understand that when you put a large amount of warm food to a refrigerator, it can essentially stop the refrigerator from working. And I think that's, uh, it's just an important thing to note. So think about it, you know, that, that troubleshooting section in our touch day guide is invaluable because it's a blanket troubleshooting section that goes, that, that applies to every property, covers things like, you know, if the, if the barbecue, if you're not getting in enough flame out of the barbecue, this is what the problem may be. We can also use this to actually, for the barbecue one, we add in a video on optimum use of, of, of a barbecue. Uh, also add in a video on how to light a barbecue because a lot of our guests have never used one before. They were brought up in condos. They now live in condos. They never had a barbecue on their balcony. Just think about that. You know, we, we all get so used to the things that we use on a day-to-day basis and forget that some people live in a different environment and just do not have this type of feature or amenity available to them so they don't know how to use it. We do actually, I guess, three or four times a year, we have to advise guests on how to light a barbecue with a match because, or, or a lighter because the automatic light in the barbecue has stopped working. We also have to tell them how to change a propane tank. So it, it's, it's really interesting when you really start to peel back on what your guests might be able to do and what they're familiar with and what they're not familiar with, you know, things like campfires. They've never had a campfire before, so they've seen them 
in images and they'll get a ton of wood and pile it all up and make this enormous fire and then complain that their marshmallows get burnt because they have no idea how quickly a marshmallow cooks. <laughs> so just really get into the shoes of your guests and, and think about all these new experiences they're going to have and just be super, super helpful to guide them through it. Just keep in mind that your role is hospitality. Your role is to be kind. It is to be understanding that while you may be familiar with every aspect of your home, your guests are not. So just be gentle with them and uh, yeah, be kind. So another thing uh, to think about is the extra guests. I see a lot of comments in uh, guest groups where people just have not understood that they can't have day visitors or overnight guests. You know, the property sleeps this amount of people, so a couple of kids isn't going to matter. All these new guests have to be educated around the topic of occupancy. I think I've mentioned before uh, in, in a podcast about an issue that happened years and years ago, and we, we had a call from a guest a, a week or two before their stay, and the question was, how many cars can we park at the property? Now, this was a relatively small property, had a tiny driveway. It only allowed four adults and a couple of kids. So we went back and said, well, how many cars do you want to park? And she said, well, I'm not quite sure because not everybody will bring their own cars, but we're having a small wedding in the middle of the week and there'll be about 30 guests. And we had not heard of this before. And she had just made an assumption that she was she and her husband she and her new husband and and their two kids were going to occupy the property they were going to sleep overnight but it would be perfectly okay to have all these guests come for a wedding midweek we learned a lot from that one because we had to tell her two weeks before her wedding that she could not have these people at the property it wasn't insured for it there was no parking and she had to make some very quick and different arrangements. And it, it, was, it was tough and very pricey for her. So we are very diligent about occupancy. So on our listing, we say how many people the property will occupy, how many adults, how many children. In our terms and conditions, we are very clear that that occupancy limit is a maximum, uh, a maximum of all heads. So yes, babies do count in the occupancy and yes, children do count. And no, you cannot exceed that unless you have permission. And we do ask them to let us know if you want Auntie Bob and Auntie May and Uncle Bob to uh, come over for lunch. Well, that's probably going to be all right, but we need to know. And that brings me to one really, really important part of our messaging to guests and we started this a few years ago and it was, you know, because our, our terms and conditions are, they're very friendly, but they are fairly detailed and specific. So they've had those terms and conditions, but we all know you tick that box. I've read the terms and conditions. Don't tell me you haven't bought something or bought a service and just tick the box without ever reading them. And majority of our guests, I assure you, have never read your terms and conditions of rental. So it is really important that you remind them 
what they agreed to when they ticked that box. And we do it with uh, with our pre-arrival messaging. And it's it goes out three days before. Now, we used to do this in a manual process. And this year, it's going out from our touch day platform, which is amazing because it's automatic now. Three days before they go, they get a letter that confirms a number of things, reminds them about a few things, and wishes them the best vacation ever. But first of all, it confirms the occupancy and it says, you have rented such and such a property for this date and I'm sure you're looking forward to your vacation. Just a few reminders before you leave home. It confirms the occupancy. The property accommodates this amount of people and I regret no day or overnight guests are permitted beyond this occupancy unless you advise us first. So please call us if you'd like to have somebody visit. Secondly, it asks them to check the fire ratings because as, and and this is very unique to our location, Um, everybody wants a campfire, but in, in times of drought, then there will be campfire bans and all these are posted in different areas of cottage country. So we ask them to check the fire ratings as they're driving in. They will see the signs and we'd have a little picture that says, this is the sign. Just check to see whether there is a fire ban. We're also using text messaging. We use the Breezeway app for messaging. So if we do have fire bans, we're able to message them out straight away and let them know not to have a fire. We remind them in this pre-arrival note about not checking in before the published time. And we all know that this happens over and over again. People are so excited. They want to get there. We had to put back our check-in times to 5.30 last year. And some owners have really liked that late check-in and have asked to retain it for another year. And guests are not particularly happy. I'm sure, I, I don't think I would be. I, 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 I want to get in a little bit earlier, at least four o'clock, if the property is available for me. But, but we, we do ensure that we follow our individual owner's requirements for check-in because it, it, it's all down to the cleaning team and when the cleaning team are going to leave. So we remind them about not checking in before the published time. We also ask that on check-in, they check in that they check everything is as they expect it to be and let us know within 24 hours. And we say we cannot resolve anything that is reported to us after 24 hours. Unless, unless of course, it's something that's just happened. And we also say that we will do our utmost to resolve any issues that arise. We, and then we refer them back to our terms and conditions of rental. Once again, because we are in rural, remote areas, it's not always easy to get an appliance repair person out. Um, cottage country is notorious for not having reliable services. So that's in our terms and conditions that we will do our utmost to get somebody out to fix a, an essential or non-essential item. Now, essential items such as refrigerators, cooling systems, heating systems in winter, we will offer a refund or a rebate. That's in the terms and conditions, but we do not offer refunds and rebates for items that are not working or damaged, that are not reported to us within 24 hours if they are non-essential. So it could be television, it could be um, a small appliance, 
You know, we've had, oh, your instant pot isn't working. I want a refund. Well, no, you know, that there is plenty of other. You did not book the property on the basis that it had an instant pot. We refer everybody back to our terms and conditions of rental. And of course, we adjust our response based on how we feel about the situation, if we feel that it could have been fixed. And we'll do our utmost to get the things fixed. But we have to get guests to understand that it's not that easy to get somebody out when something goes wrong. We include a link to the packing list, which is also in the touch day guide. So they've got everything on a list that they know they need to take. And finally, we remind them again, when you get to the property, please do not turn the fridge down. Do not turn that thermostat down. It will not cool food any quicker. In fact, it could result in the fridge stopping working. Since we started sending out that pre-arrival note just a couple of days before the stay, it has put a stop to many of the issues that we previously experienced. And it, it has cut down our guest complaint rate and our owner complaint rate. So because we have to remember, of course, that, that it's not all about the guests. It's a lot of it is about the owner. It's about the community. It's about the neighbours. We want to make sure that the guests that are coming in are being responsible. They are adhering to our cottage country etiquette and that they're not being noisy and loud and burning massive great fires in an evening and upsetting the neighbours. So there's some other bits and pieces that go into the touch day guide. And in that pre-arrival letter, we refer back to the touch day guide. When they get to the property, they'll see a card with a QR code that takes them straight to that touch day guide as well. So we think, yay, we think we've got everything covered. But, you know, I know this summer is really going to surprise us. Well, it shouldn't surprise us because we are expecting, we are expecting that things will be busier. We're just in the process of recruiting uh, a guest services representative whose sole job will be to answer guest, uh, guest questions, uh, guest issues, will help in returning all those left behind items will assist guests in getting things to work, will assist them in finding places to go and things to do and what to see. It's a great job. And actually, actually as an aside, we just listed it on indeed.com and had 90 applications. So we're just sifting through those at the moment. I'm sure we're going to find some, somebody really, really special to come fill this job for the summer. So I think that's about enough for me. It's I know this has been a bit little bit of a random random ramble. Maybe I should start calling these episodes random rambles. But I just wanted to share some of the things we do, how we're preparing. You're going to be hearing about it through the summer. Each week as we go through, you're going to hear the juicy bits from from the week, how we've coped with them, how we've managed them, how we've handled them. And hopefully, I'm not expecting you to learn from from these because I expect you guys have all been through this before. But it's always good to know that others are out there experiencing the same thing. So I hope me bringing you some of our experiences will have you sitting there going, oh, thank you. You know, <laughs> it, 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 just, it just makes you feel better when you know you're not the only one out there experiencing all these, all these things. So 
that's it from me for another week. I'm going to try and get back into the interviewing mode over the next couple of weeks. It's just, I've, I've had to cancel a couple of interviews because everything has been so, so busy that I've just had to fall back on me picking up 40 or 50 minutes just to sit here and, and talk to you um, sort of in an hour of my downtime. So once we get into the swing of the summer, we'll be back to doing more interviews. I've got quite a few people lined up that I'm sure you're going to love. Please let me know how you enjoyed this. I'd love to know how you're preparing for your high season and if you've got any tips that you can share with others. You know, send me send me an email, heather at vacationrentalformula.com. Love to hear from you and uh, and I'll be with you again very soon. You've been listening to the Vacation Rental Success Podcast, and we hope you've enjoyed this episode. This episode was brought to you by the Vacation Rental Formula's own Virtual Vendor Showcase, your go-to location when searching for new products and services for your vacation rental business. Head across to vacationrentalformula.com forward slash VVS to find out more. It's been a pleasure as ever being with you. If there's anything you'd like to comment on, then join the conversation on the show notes for the episode at vacationrentalformula.com. We'd love to hear from you. And I look forward to being with you again next week.